0: Brick Moon Fiction presents Not What You Were Born by Lauren A. Forey, narrated by Sarah Golding. She watched from the shadows, crouched beside a tipped bin. Starbucks cups, empty plastic containers, squashed carling cans spilling from its mouth, her eyes fixed on the dark, gated townhouse. The echo of a concert in Hyde Park bounced between buildings, muted electric guitars and sing-along voices carried this way by the wind then cast away on the same current. The occasional honk of a black cab and groan of a night bus peppered the air. Her ears twitched, listening for the rattle of carriage wheels over cobblestones and baying of horses that used to punctuate the London night, but... The stench of horses had long since been subsumed by petrol. The wind fluttered a napkin in front of her eyes and as she pressed it beneath her paw, a car engine rattled down the street. A navy blue Ford Escort bearing a black cat bumper sticker passed the alley and slowed to a stop in front of the townhouse. She inched out from her spot double-checked the street, then dashed across to the pillar box where she resumed hiding as the two men inside the car conversed. Her eyes flicked between the car and the gate, its crisscross bars mocking her with the two narrow gaps. A car door clicked, the stink of whiskey stained the air, and a man stumbled out onto the pavement. He belched and waved to the driver, then staggered towards the White Stone townhouse, a leather messenger bag slapping against his back. As he keyed in a passcode to unlock the gate she raised her rear, prepared to run. The gate clicked open. A flea bit her back leg. She whipped her neck and gnawed at the itch, unable to satisfy it, and the gate clicked again, already closed. A growl rumbled in her throat, interrupted by headlights in her eyes as the car made a U-turn. She dashed back to the alley, then ducked her head out from behind the bin to watch the red taillights disappear around a corner. They returned again the next night. The Ford Escort glided up to the kerb a car's length from the townhouse gate right beside the pillar box. The taillights kept watch over the street as the drunk man attempted to extricate himself from the vehicle. The fox poked her nose around the bin, scanning for another place to hide nearer the gate, but the car had taken her only option, the car in which the drunk passenger remained unable to open the door. The driver hurried out. Here. Eh let me help you. The words danced on the air to her ears. A northern accent, Mancunian. The driver was a short man with a stout body and lack of definition between his head and neck, but almost anyone looked short next to the towering passenger, a thin, tall, stick man who hunched his shoulders to hide his height. She'd never seen this driver before, but he was familiar to her. She could smell it on his skin, beneath the sweat of a normal human male. The trace of cloves and sage, yew trees and elm. A growl curled in her throat, and the fur on her back stood on end. When a flea bit her neck, she itched at it, but this time did not allow her attention to waver. As the driver helped the drunk man to the gate, he neglected to close the car door. Of their backs towards her, she ran, silent as an arrow, and leapt into the back seat. The townhouse gate clicked open and shut, and the driver's footsteps returned. He closed the door without noticing she was there. Then slumped into the driver's seat, a heavy sigh escaping his lips, kebab meat and Coca-Cola on his breath. A gold chain dangled on his neck against a high street T-shirt and jacket. She could smell the cost of his iron jeans. What do you call this, then? She asked. The driver turned so fast he smacked his cheek against the headrest. This is that thing, isn't it? She asked again. Where people need a lift and and they ring you up instead of hailing a black cab. They, he swallowed, they don't ring. They they use an app. but what's it called? Uber? Right, Uber, yes. Yes, I have heard of that. Sounds vaguely German. She sat up straight and flicked her tail, resisting the urge to itch at her flea bites. You're talking, he said. That's right, but your lips are not moving. Would it make a difference if they were? No, I don't suppose they would. He looked to the townhouse then back at her. What are you? She cocked her head to the side. You know what I am. Even if I wasn't talking, you know. He wet his lips. You're all supposed to be gone, not all of her. An itch became too much and she chewed on her front leg. Oh, are you getting fleas in my car? No, she snapped, then itched again. Well, maybe. So, tell me how this works then, Uber. Uh, my name's not- I'm calling you Uber, so any cad off the street can hire you. Hmm? What does your master have to say about that? I don't have a master. Her tail stilled. Then who's that man you drive home every night? The clients? I have clients, not masters. They fire me through the Uber app and hire me for tasks. Clients? You mean they pay you? The tasks alone would be enough, but yeah, they pay me too. His phone, new in a shiny black case, chirped and he read the message. Speaking of, there's another now. Sorry, was there a particular reason you're uh, sitting in my car? I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around this, because I, I really need to get going. Familiars for hire. So if you could just hop on out. Merlin must be rolling over in his tower. Oh, look, it's not like it used to be, all right? You, you have all... Foxes should know that. No one wants a long-term commitment, so so why should I get older and and shabbier by the day without a task to complete when I can help those who want it when they want it, and then, you know, be on my merry way? She clenched her teeth to keep from biting him. Sorry, I I didn't mean to, to insult you. Oh, sure. He sighed, rubbing the edge of the phone against his forehead. Was there something you wanted? She looked out of the window, then at the floor of his car. It was spotless, except for a few stray hairs from his most recent passenger. Nothing, I suppose, I just i sensed something familiar. It's been a, a long time since I spoke to another. His phone chirped again, an annoying bird she could snatch with her teeth if she felt so inclined. I suppose I shouldn't keep you from your client's. Would you mind rolling down the window? As he did, he asked. When was the last time you had a tusk? Well, thanks for the chat. Enjoy the rest of your night. In one smooth leap, she sailed through the open window onto the pavement below and, without breaking her stride, ran into her alley. Once the car abandoned the street, she trotted up the fire escape to her den on the roof and watched the light in the attic of the townhouse, her mind ticking through the possibilities until the sun began its rise over the Thames. The ground underneath London shifted constantly. Most never noticed except those who travelled close to it. Paving slabs often cracked or shifted as the natural earth fought to free itself from man-made constraints. Even for one who had little magic left, a few kind whispers were all that were needed for a large crack to appear in the pavement, making the path in front of the townhouse uneven. Unaware of the changed landscape, Uber's drunk man tripped on his way to the gate. The contents of his messenger bag spilling all over the pavement. Uber got out to help him, but the drunk shouted his refusal and, and just shoved everything back inside. But not before Uber saw it. He said nothing, at the time except to bid the drunk man goodnight, but as soon as the townhouse door had shut, he was on his shiny phone as she knew he would be, for he was young yet and still a man at heart. A man with clients, not loyalty. Clients who could afford more than this drunk had to offer. She watched the Ford speed off with a screech, whispered her thanks to the earth, and climbed the fire escape to resume her watch. He sought her out three nights later, came running down the alley, sweat dripping from his forehead, and stopped with hands on his knees, his fancy jeans stained with dirt, panting for breath, the, the gold chain bouncing on his chest. He didn't see her at first. She'd taken up a spot behind a metal bin, tail wrapped round her skinny legs. He whispered for her, though he didn't know her name, calling Fox, Fox, as he peered behind piles of rubbish. She waited until he'd given up and went slouching back to the mouth of the alley before revealing herself. I suppose you're looking for me? She flicked her tail, grinned at the relieved look on his face. "You're right. You look positively awful." In addition to the sweat dripping down his face, a fresh cut marred his forehead above his left eyebrow, welling with blood, and a bruise discolored his left cheek. "Do you want a task?" She yawned, baring yellowed teeth. Rising above our station, are we? (sighs) I need help. A partner. And I'd be paid, of course. She turned tail. I'm not for hire. Do you know about him? The drunk philosopher? (laughs) The drunk bot (laughs) She laughed. Well, that's what I call him. I don't know his name, but whenever I collect him from the university, he's always drunk and he's always discussing the the meaning of life and free will and loads of other bollocks that goes right over me. But did you know, do you know how powerful he is? She licked her lips. I suppose he must be. After all, he he is in possession of one of the thirteen treasures of the island of Great Britain his eyes widened, and a drop of blood trailed alongside his eye. Oh. Oh, did you you only just learn that? I I suppose us oldens are are more in tune with these sorts of things. I, I wouldn't be drawn to this place for any mystic gem or tiara. Which of the treasures is it? You couldn't sense it? I'm a familiar, not a psychic. The horn of Brangalad, whatever drink might be wished for, shall be found inside it. I always wondered where he got all that whiskey from. What a useless artefact! She trotted to the end of the alley. There were no lights on in the townhouse, but she could feel the presence inside. The horn is more powerful than people give it credit for. True, it's not a weapon, doesn't give you anything you wish in the world, but it makes you reliant. I- imagine travelling long distances on foot, never needing to worry about a-, a drop of water. In the heat of battle, never relinquishing to thirst. And the more one drinks from it, the more one needs it. Until well, there's nothing else in the universe that matters more. Let me guess. You tried to take it from him. Uber looked over his shoulder and prodded the cup for a client. She's can for it, and the, the reward is... I, I, I wouldn't have to, to take another task again if I didn't want to. I, I just thought it would be easy, you know. She's always half-cutting and, and dropping things. I, I take it it uh, didn't go as planned. Well, that's an understatement. Worst is I, I blew my one chance. Now he knows I'm after it. He'll, he'll never let me near him. I, so, you need the help of a trickster. Someone known for her cunning, wily intelligence. He shrugged. First off, I shouldn't have had to compliment myself. Second, the best thing for you to do, really, would be to never come back here again. You don't understand, I have to get it. That's what I've been assigned to do. If I don't... If you don't, what does it matter?' Someone else will hire you. Someone always needs an Uber. It's it's not worth fighting him for it. She started back down the alley. No, No, there's a contract, see. If I don't complete my task, he closed his eyes. I told you, I'm not for hire. Maybe that's your approach to our sacred duty, but it's not mine. He slid down the wall. Head in his hands. She smelled the salt of his tears. Sighed and trotted to his side. This sum. This one who's hired you. Well, what will she do if you don't get it for her? Well, she'll strip me of everything. Everything. All but my mortal life. Huh? what a pity to lose all your nice things and, and the immortality. You don't need to help. But I could do without the mockery. You know? I wasn't mocking. She sat near him, but far enough so he couldn't touch her. It's um, it's difficult to be tossed aside. No matter if it's been days or years or even centuries of service. Once they choose you, you're not what you were born. They make you into something different, something special. They change your whole life. But um, then. When, when they're done with you and there's there's nothing to go back to. Your family is all long since gone. Your own kind rejects you. Bit by bit, you just start to break apart. She chewed her paw. A light came on in the townhouse on the uppermost floor. Meet me here tomorrow night. Leave your car elsewhere. She left, trotted off into the darkness of the alley, out of sight. She was a creature meant for the shadows. Squatting in the middle of the pavement, she felt as exposed as a raw nerve. The wind bristled her fur and instinct told her to flee for the safety of her alley. When car lights turned a corner, she rose, then reminded herself what she was doing here and sunk back down. The car, her grey Peugeot, didn't linger once the drunk man stumbled out. She watched it glide away and slip out of sight, leaving the street quiet and empty once again. She looked up at him as he staggered closer, unaware of her presence. There were possibly more wrinkles round his eyes or it was a trick of the light from the low street lamps. The red of his nose and his cheeks was certainly new. He, He didn't notice her until he almost stepped on her tail. He yanked his foot back, almost falling on his arms. What are you doing here? She stared at him. Go on, get out of here. She didn't move. Shoo! Vermin! He waved her off and headed for the keypad. She darted in front to block his path. When he reached for the keypad anyway, she lunged forward and hissed. Is that how it's going to be? She crouched ears back as if preparing to leap. Fine! He swung the messenger bag from his back to his stomach and rummaged through it. I said, I don't want you here. I don't need you here. She held her position. Uber was crossing the street now, coming up behind. He was almost there when the drunk man yanked a canister from his bag and sprayed it at her face. The chemical burned. Oh, she hissed and frantically tried to wipe the liquid away with her paws as a kick to her stomach threw her against the townhouse gate and she waited for another blow when the sounds of a struggle reached her. Though her vision was blurred, she could make out shapes. See the short, stout figure wrestling with a long and lanky one. Every time she blinked, her eyes burned, which made them water which made her blink and a thud like a falling tree made her jump. A long shape laid next to her a smaller bag-sized lump behind him. She leapt on it, trying to shake the burn from her eyes. She dug into the bag with her claws. She bit at everything that touched her mouth until her teeth landed on the end of the horn. She dragged it from the bag, wished it filled with water and dunked her narrow head inside. The burning eased, but when she withdrew her head and shook the water from her fur, she saw Uber standing over the drunk man, a knife raised. She leapt to Uber and sunk her teeth into his wrist until he screamed and dropped the knife. She released her grip and landed softly on the pavement. The bag and horn back in the drunk man's arms and he was keying in the code for the gate. Uber went for him but she bit his trouser leg and held him back. A piece of fabric tore off in her mouth freeing him but the drunk man made it behind the gate and slammed it shut in Uber's face. He looked at both Uber and the fox and then ran up the steps and into the townhouse. The fox spit out the torn cloth and ran for her alley. Uber followed, shouting after her. She didn't turn back until a metal bin lid clattered in front of her and she skidded to a stop. What was that all about? None of your business. She jumped on top of another garbage bin and out onto the lowest step of the fire escape. You took a chunk out of me! Two! He pointed at his wrist. You were going to stab him. No, I was going to kill him! Oh, that was... A- part of the plan. She leapt up to the next step. It was part of mine. It's in my deal. She doesn't want him to come after it again. Oh, you don't know if he will. That's not my call. You should know that. You're an olden right. In all your years, your master never had you kill anyone. She towered above him. He a safe distance below. We're not discussing my past. Oh, oh I think we are. You think I'm an idiot? Just because I'm not as old as you, not as experienced, that I'm not attached to one master, you you think I wouldn't figure it out. She looked away, heard Eber rubbing at his wrist. He doesn't want you anymore. Didn't you hear him? You mean nothing to him. He would have stomped you to death if I'd have let him. And, And what do you do when there's a chance to end it? You attack me? He laughed. Talk loyalty all you want, believe it all you want, but I won't let loyalty lead to my death. She curled up on the fire escape as he spoke, and now used her tail to hide her face. She waited for him to say more, but there were only his retreating footsteps. As soon as she thought him gone, she ran the rest of the way up to her den burying her face in the gathered scraps of leaves and discarded waste so that she could not see the light of the townhouse. She watched from the shadows, crouched beside a pillar box, paint scraped and soiled from graffiti. The echo of drunken tourists bounced between the buildings as they found their way back to their hotels. Their voices cackled and shrieked, then dissipated like birds on the wind. Her ears twitched toward the sound of a car turning down the street and she tensed, but it was only a standard black cab. She watched him pay the driver before exiting the cab, his movement purposeful, stable, his back straight. He looked, as did she, but no one approached and soon he was behind the gate. As he had for the past fortnight, he looked towards the pillar box as if knowing she was there, but he couldn't see her not until she wanted him to. The gate remained unlatched as he entered the townhouse safely. Seeing no threats, she turned her back on the open gate and fled into her alley, up to her den on the roof where she would watch him work in the attic as he attempted to relieve the horn of its power. She wrapped her tail around her legs and observed, knowing one day he would succeed. And one day, she would return. Lauren A. Forry was brought up in the woods of Bucks County, Pennsylvania, where her FBI agent father and book-loving mother raised her on a diet of the Files and R.L. Stein. After earning her BA in Cinema Studies from New York University, she moved to London, where she earned her MFA in Creative Writing from Kingston University. There, she was awarded the Faber & Faber Creative Writing MA Prize for her first horror novel, The Compulsion. Her short stories have since appeared in multiple sci-fi and horror anthologies. Her debut novel, Abigail Hall, a psychological thriller, is available now from Black & White Publishing. She currently resides somewhere in the woods. Sarah Golding is a voice actor, teacher, community theatre director, and current host of the Audio Drama Production Podcast. She has acted in a huge variety of audio drama podcasts, as a huge variety of character types with a diversity of accent and attitude. Faves she's appeared in Include, episode 405 of Edict Zero, Girl in Space, Winnebago Warrior, Hostile Worlds, a Scottish podcast, Ancestry, and more. She's a writer and hopes to share her own stories with you one day soon. Find her at saragoldingvoiceactorandmore.weebly.com. This has been a production of Brick Moon Fiction. If you like what you hear, please head on over to iTunes and why not give us a review? Go, go on. Until next time.